He is. Everybody good? Everybody stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you for everybody who's here today. Lord, bless the mamas in particular. They probably need more blessings than some rest of us. We ask you to help them. Uh, give them grace. Thank you, Lord. Grace from heaven. Your favor rest upon the mothers in particular today. We ask you in Jesus' name. But, Lord, we all need you. We all need you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in this room right now and fall in this room and touch every person in this room right now in Jesus' name. Right now. Kingdom come right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have a big vision, that there is a lot of rooms in your house, and it's worldwide. So, Lord, I thank you that you care about us right here in this moment, and you care about people to the ends of the earth. You are limitless, Lord. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. So, um, I wasn't really supposed to be talking today, but due to some other situations, we decided it'd be best for me, too. <laughs> Anyways, what I want to talk to you about, remember last week I talked to you about, there was like three things I feel like God's been speaking to me about. Number one, He's been speaking to me about my mind, and I think God really wants to continue speaking to us about our mind, okay? Number two, about thankfulness, that God really is looking for a thankful people, and that we really need to become thankful, and... Thank God in all things, in all things, not necessarily for all things, but in all things. And then the other one I talked about, God's favor. Everybody say God's favor. See, God has a heart to release favor to people, okay? And here's the truth. I want you to get this picture this morning. Most people, most Christians have this, John 14, 8, 18, this, this spirit of, this orphan spirit on them, this spirit of abandonment on them. Okay, that, that spirit is very real, and it operates in the world. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 18, that he would not leave us as helpless orphans. Okay, that spirit came into the world the day that Eve and Adam listened to the devil and, betray, you know, and left the Lord. That's where that spirit got its access into our life. And that spirit is very active and very real in every person's life. I mean, every, I've not met a Christian yet that didn't have that thing on them. Okay? And, but Jesus, you know, brought the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, to us. And the Holy Spirit, if you will begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, this is really true. If you will get in the river, I hate to say that to you this morning. You may not want to hear it if you don't like that kind of stuff. But that thing will change your life, and it will change you on a very practical level. It will change you on a very practical level. And one of the areas where I really see just in my own life, how God has, has shown me how my image of Him was very messed up over this spirit of abandonment. In other words, there were some situations in my life where I may, have made bad decisions, okay? And these bad decisions were not sinful decisions. They were just decisions that could be based on being presumptuous or being immature or just being plain, not, you know, not wise. And, you know, and having this feeling that God is upset with me about those decisions, and that God's going to deal with me and punish me about those decisions. Now, that sounds simple. And God was saying, I have no desire to do that to you. That's not my heart. That's not how I deal with people. I don't come after people when they make mistakes. Now, I, He speaks to us. And so what I see, a lot of us, we have this belief grid about God that we really don't realize. You hear what I'm saying to me? We don't realize that we think wrong about God. We think wrong about God's intentions towards us. And see, that's what the, the, the spirit of abandonment, this orphan spirit will continually tell you something about God that's not true. 
And when you buy into it, you're buying into a lie and you're living your life based on a lie. And a lot of Christians are doing things out of a lie instead of out of the truth. They're making decisions out of lies. They're, they're acting out of lies. I'll tell you a common one that probably every man in this room has, has done or will do is they want to look at, at uh, X-rated images. And the reason they do is because they believe this lie that's in their heart that tells them that's going to do something for them. And it's a lie. It's not the truth. It won't do nothing for you. But we believe this lie that that's going to satisfy something in me. And that lie is from the devil. So we live our lives on those simple little lies that have profound uh, ramifications in our life. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do, the Holy Spirit wants to break those lies off. He wants to go into our minds and begin to deal with the lies that are lodged in our minds. Because a lot of you have lies in your mind. Okay? In fact, I'd say probably everybody in this room is believing some lies on some levels. And the Bible says the truth sets us free, which means a lie will bind you up and a lie will destroy your life. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? And there is an anointing released by God called the spirit of adoption where God begins to go after things in your heart and in your mind. He goes after the lies. He goes after the things that you're living from and doing things. People do all kinds of stuff. And you wonder why they do it. Why are they doing it? Because they're believing something that's not true. You and I are meant to believe, to base our life on the truth. The devil came to Eve and said, Listen, if you'll eat this tree, something good's going to happen to you. You're going to see something that you can't see now. It was a big lie. All they saw was each other. They saw themselves. They became self-focused. And it, look what it did to us. So we have this self-focused thing on us to, to this day that we're dealing with from that lie. Where God doesn't want us to be self-focused. The devil told them, like, if you eat this, you'll be like God. The problem was, the Bible had already said they were already like God. That's what the Bible says. Adam and Eve were like God. He created them in His image. And then the devil came up and said, hey, if you'll do this, you'll be like Him. So there's always this thing out there telling us to do something. And if we'll do it, we'll get somewhere. Okay? And so what do we do? We just fall right in and do it. And guess what happens to us? Same thing that happened to them. Death. Hurt. Pain, separation. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is He wants to release favor. This is one thing that Paul the Apostle said in every one of his letters. I pray that the spiritual blessings and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ would be yours. He said that in every one of his letters that he wrote in the Bible. Every one of them. That's how he introduced it. Do we believe today that God really wants to bless us? I mean, do we really believe it? I mean, really and truly believe that God is looking to bless your life. He wants to have favor on you. He wants to touch you. He wants to do things for you. Because if we really do that, we'll start thinking different and acting different. Because it motivates us. Now, people are saying they believe that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think we really do. I think we do on the surface, but I think deep, deep, hidden down within us, there's this thing that says, no, God really is not for you. God really doesn't want to help you. God really doesn't want to bless you. The only difference that Paul had, in, <laughs> this is interesting, the only difference he had in those introductions when he wrote to Timothy and Titus, he threw in the word mercy. <laughs> hey, y'all guys are pastors. I hope God will have mercy on you. Y'all need some mercy. <laughs> That's the only difference. I know y'all need mercy too. Well, uh, um, this is one thing that, uh, that I've, 
been studying since I'm going to go down to Argentina. That's interesting. We had a testimony. Is I have been studying the Argentine revival that happened in the 80s and 90s down there. It's one of the biggest uh, significant revivals that ever happened uh, in a nation. And one of the reasons they had revival there was it was right around... Remember, y'all remember the Falklands War back in the late 80s? There was this war they got in... And Argentina got in this war with Britain. And Britain just beat the fool out of them. I mean, just whipped them bad. And Argentines are well known to be the most prideful people on the earth. It's true. They are very prideful people. Well, they got beat in this war and got humiliated in the world's eyes. So they were really... in Their, their self-image was really crashed and burned as a nation. So they were really ripe for God to do something. So God began to move down there, and there has, there has been a tremendous move of God in Argentina, a revival that happened down there, and, and literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were, were saved. And there really is an open heaven over parts of Argentina to this day, where you go down there and God really does, does things. Now, I don't know where they are really in, the, in terms of the, the peak of the revival, but there is a, a, a residue of the move of God happening there right now, okay? And what I was doing was trying to study and learn what were some of the things that they got out of this revival. What were some of the things that, they, that, that helped them stay under this open heaven? Isn't that what we want? We want to stay in this place. An open heaven is a place of spiritual blessing, right? Do we want to get in a place of an open heaven? Do we want to get in a place of having God's favor in our life? Spiritual blessings to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. The thing that Paul the Apostle said to everybody, hey, this is what I want for you. This is what God has for you. Do we want that this morning? I mean, do we really want it? I mean, that should be the thing. Then we should do with all our abandonment in our heart, we should say, that's the goal of my life, is to live in this blessing of God, to live in His favor, to live in His grace, to live in His peace. We should pursue that with reckless abandon. That should be the number one thing in our life because when we're, we're living in that, then everybody around us is going to experience that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Um, so um, this is one thing that one of them, they said, what's the key to living under open heaven? What's the, the key to living in this blessing? Uh, this was asked Claudio Frizon the guy who we're believing that God's going to work it out for us, for him to pray for us when we're down there. This is what he said. We know we are to have a good relationship with the Lord. He said, we know that. We know we're to have a good relationship with the Lord. But we do not value the benefits of unity with each other. We do not value the benefits of unity with each other. So what he was talking about is God, does, God did something sovereign in Argentina. But they found out right quick that the devil, one of the ways the devil stops God's favor, stops God's blessing from moving in people's life is in our horizontal, you know, verticals that way, horizontals this way for y'all don't know, X and Y axis, okay? In our horizontal relationships is where the enemy really goes and is able to disrupt the flow of God, okay? It's in the horizontal. So... This is one of the things, uh, the, one of the things when the Lord began to move, actually right before the Lord began to move in our church, someone in our church had a dream and said, they saw Becky and I angry. And it was stopping what God was doing. In other words, they were warning us, listen, this, God's going to move and what you and I do as people will affect the move of God. The way we treat each other, the way we interact with each other. So what you find when God begins to move, and if you study many revivals, it always came down to something that people did to each other that stopped the move of God. 
the Great Awakening, one of those powerful moves. And these preachers came against it and they started fighting about it. Over and over in history we see that. We see people in their relationships stopping what God was doing. Are y'all with me this morning? So I wanted to read that one song, uh, uh, verse up here, Psalm 133, verse 1 through 3. So, so what we're talking about this morning, the way to stay in the blessing, the way to stay under the open heaven. Y'all want to stay under the open heaven? I mean, I'm telling you, I want to get in it and stay in it. This is what it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, it is like the precious oil upon the head, Christ being the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of a garment. So, so there's this release from heaven that God has, and it literally comes down towards us. It comes down, and it flows. There's this oil that flows downward from heaven down to each of us. It's like the dew of Hermon descend upon the mount of Zion. The dew... And this is really what, part of the blessings of God that He has for every Christian every day. You know, dew, dew happens in the morning every day. God has a refreshing for each one of us. We can be refreshed every day of our life. We don't have to go to a meeting. We don't have to go listen to preaching. We don't have to spend hours praying, fasting, doing any of that stuff. God has promised us, listen, there's an automatic refreshing for you just like the dew gets released automatically. And you say, well, that's not my experience. Well, listen, don't listen to your experience. Stand on the truth. Go, Lord, you said there's a refreshing. Where is it? I want to walk in that refreshing that daily. It's a dew. It's not like some rushing river that comes to you. It's a dew. And you can be refreshed. Now, there's some times which you should really go out of this too is where you should soak at your home and the river will get released into your house. Literally, it will get, and it'll come pouring in there and stuff will happen. But that may not happen every day of your life. But I'll tell you this, this can happen every day of your life. If you are in right relationships. You see, that's the key. We'll go on from there. And it says, For there the Lord commanded, listen, commanded the blessing, life evermore. We're not talking about something the Lord suggested, or we're not talking about some, some deal. No, the Lord said, no, if, if this happens, if there is this unbroken relationship, if there's this, this vertical and horizontal thing that's working in your life, that's right, then there's a commanded blessing. And there's nothing that can stop it. There's no devil in hell that can stop it. There's nothing what any person can do to stop it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's commanded. Now, when God commands something, you know what's going to happen. Now, now, God says things all the time. If you'll do this, if you'll do that. But when He says, no, this is going to happen. And there's nothing that can stop it. And God expects us, desires for us to live in the place of commanded blessing. And it starts out where brothers dwell together in unity. Now, 1 John 4.20. Let's put that up right quick. We're talking about the, the horizontal relationships. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. That's what the Bible says. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, that's pretty straight up. So what the Bible's trying to teach us right there is that you can't be... You, your relationship with God is going to be broken if your relationship with people is broken. That's what it's saying right there. It's, it's saying you can't have this communion, this fellowship with God if you're out with your wife or you're out with the other Christians around you. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about people who are part of the body of Christ. Where there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, there's animosity. 
or whatever there is, competition, whatever it may be, or just y'all are just mad at each other and you can't get it right. It's saying you cannot have this unbroken communion. You cannot live in the blessings of God. You cannot live in His favor. And that's important. That should motivate you. Are you with me? So let me give you three things, four things real quick, like, that'll help us. All right. Let's look at the feet. Are y'all all right this morning? Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. I want to get in. Here's what I want the Lord. Lord, I'm looking for a revival, and I want to get in a revival. And somebody was sharing. I don't know who it was that was telling me about. They had read this testimony of this young woman who went and had this visitation in heaven. And God was reading this book. And she asked God, God, what are you reading? He said, oh, I'm reading about the histories of revival. That's what this young woman said, and said that God said to her. And she said, well, he said, would you like for me to read some to you? And she, and, and she said, yeah, read something." to me. And he said, which one do you want me to read about? And she said, read about the revivals that happened in, around in the, the 2000s. And he said, oh, you mean the one that never ended? The one that never ended. See, God, God wants to bring a revival that does not stop. God is looking for a people who are saying, Lord, we want to get in the revival that never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Lord. We're saying here, Lord. I'm saying we're going for the revival. That's what I'm, my goal in life. I feel called to that. I feel like God's called me to revival. I feel like that's my purpose in life is to see a revival because I feel like God's called us to our nation and to the nations. And we are, and, and revival is the answer. The church getting on fire for God. I know y'all have heard me say that 750 times. I, I mean, when I'm 90 years old, still preaching, if I'm able to stand up and they'll let me, I'm going to be saying the same thing. I'm going to say, there's got to be a place in this world that's not experiencing the fire of God. We've got to get it to them. We've got to get it to them. Heck, the last thing we want to do is send missionaries to somewhere to go preach the gospel and they, ain't, they don't have fire in them. That's a waste. It's a waste of time. We want, to, we want the fire to go from here. So we're saying uh, this is what we're going to do to respond to the Lord. Okay? This is what we must do to respond to the Lord. In light of all of this, this is from the Message Bible, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. In light of all this, verse 1, here's what I want you to do. And this is what Paul the Apostle is saying. While I'm locked up here, he was a prisoner for the Master. I want you to get out there. <laughs> That's what he said. And walk. And better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. That's what he said. Get your butt up. Get with it. These are people who've been in a revival, by the way. One of the greatest revivals in the Bible happened at, at Ephesus. Read it in Acts. It was a powerful revival. The Acts was the largest church in the world. Back then they had one church in the city. Run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. He was nice. <laughs> he might, you thought I was going to say, I didn't write this. <laughs> Peterson, you, he couldn't get out of there too out of control on this. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. That's believing a lie. You, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you go down some path. Go down some path. It's a lie. You stroll down some path that leads nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Mark that you do this with humility. Not in fits and starts, but steadily. Pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Pouring yourself out for each other. And that's really basic Christianity. 
alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Now, because there are going to be differences between people. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be quarrels even. But what Paul's saying, be alert to this, get it right quick. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? That's practical. That's real. If we don't do what he said here, okay, you were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. Stay together both outwardly and inwardly. That's practical. That means we can't have broken relationships. That doesn't mean we're not going to have some fights. But we better fix the fights. doesn't mean you and your wife ain't going to fight. Probably means you're wrong and she's right. (laughs) But the Lord will go after that stuff because He doesn't like it. The Lord will go after you when you and you have some uh, bitterness in your heart towards somebody. You know, the dove of the Holy Spirit rests on humble people, people who are willing to forgive, people who don't have bitterness in their heart. That's who He's going to rest on. And when you don't do that, that oil that flows down, guess what? It's flowing down, it's flowing down. I'll just, I'll just pick on Matthew. It's flowing. Oh, Matthew's married Sarah. Bump, over here. <laughs> It just moves over. The oil quits flowing. There's no anointing in your life. You start struggling. doesn't mean you lose your gifting, but there's a lack of... You know, when oil gets out of an engine, guess what happens? Friction, heat. It gets worse. Things get difficult. You don't move as easily. It happens. Not only between husbands and wives, it happens between each other in this room. You and other Christians. Okay. That's why the Bible says pursue love. Pursue it. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Go after it. Go after it. All right, that's number one. We are to be united by love for one another. Number two, Romans 12, 3 through 5. This is really simple. Uh, for I, This is New King James. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Everybody gets this thing about them when God moves. Have you ever noticed when the Lord starts moving, using somebody, they get this, this mindset of importance? It's the flesh. And that's what Paul's saying. Be careful. Now, Paul's talking to people who are going to come, that God's going to use. Paul's talking about people who's going to be in a revival and the Lord's going to really powerfully move. And we're living in a time where God wants to use everybody, every person, even people like those Stark girls. When they came to this church, you could say hello to them and they got embarrassed. Literally, their face would turn, hey, how y'all doing? Their face would turn red, don't look at me. They just was embarrassed girls, now they're getting up and testifying. That's a big, huge step. You know, God's going to use people like that. The most embarrassed, shy people in the world, God will have them stand on the stage of the world preaching the gospel. Moving in power. But Paul warns, don't be thinking so high of yourself. Did not self-importance destroy Paul or Saul in the Old Testament? He became so important when God told him to do something, he made decisions on how it was going to work. God said, kill all these guys, wipe them out. Well, I kept some as an offering. And Samuel said, Paul, Saul, you have blown it, son, because he was so important in his own eyes. And you know, you get around a bunch of Christians, they get so heavy and everything's so serious and so miserable. Come to church, you're going to worship the Lord and everything has to be this way. And you golly, please deliver me, Lord. I don't want it to be so heavy and sorrowful all the time. God wants us to enjoy Him, enjoy His kingdom, enjoy worshiping Him, enjoy doing what He's called us to do. Forget all this negative, crummy stuff. Now, you are going to have trouble because the devil brings trouble in the world. But God doesn't. 
unless you are offended at him. So quit being so self-important. Quit being self-important. You're not important. He's important. I'm not important. He's important. And it'll keep you out of being heavy all the time. Oh, you know, this person, that person. Not to think of himself more highly, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Think according to the faith that God's given you. For we, uh, as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So, so we being many are the one in body in Christ and individually members of one another. So what he's saying is everybody has a place in the body. And you need to find your place in the body. Then this will help you in the revival. Find your place in the body and function there. Okay? That's what God wants us to do. The worst thing that could ever happen in an NBA game is for the point guard to try to play power forward. It just don't work. Power forwards are big, strong, quick guys. Point guards traditionally are short, quick guys. Shorter, quick guys. They can handle the ball real well, move it and bounce it and see everything. We're power forward and really make strong moves to the basket. So what we need to do, if we really want to get in revival, find your place in the body and function from there. Don't try to function from somewhere God hasn't put a grace in you, a faith in you. That's really the ultimate um, you know, manifestation of thinking more highly of yourself. God said, you're a halfback. No, I'm a quarterback. That's what I want to do. No, no, the Lord says, no, I want you to be a halfback. No, I want to be a quarterback. No, you are a halfback. I want to be a quarterback. There's the bench. You know? I mean, that's really what he does. And if God, and many times here's how God does it. Mr. Quarterback, Mr. Halfback who thinks he's a quarterback. You start trying to be quarterback, guess what everybody does? Oh, okay. Got to go. Bye. We'll see you. No, nah, we, we don't want to play on a team with you being the quarterback. We love you being a halfback. Be a halfback. Find that place. God will make that clear to you. There's nothing hard about that. So don't take yourself so seriously and find your place. William Branham. Everybody knows who William Branham. I'm running out of time. Let me get quick here. William Branham was a great prophet back in the 50s, 40s and 50s. I mean, a great prophet. But William Branham was fascinated with Bible teachers. Totally fascinated with them. William Branham literally could go in a room and, and, and... get these words because he could literally hear demons in people and say, okay, you, you have cancer of the liver, you have, uh, you have a spinal meningitis, you know, whatever. He could call out because he could hear the demons talking and people would get healed. He could sit here and see it. But he was fascinated with being a Bible teacher and he wanted to teach the Bible instead of do prophetic ministry and see God heal people and touch people. Guess what happened to William Brand because he didn't really have a good hand on the Bible and he didn't have a calling to teach the Bible he got into heresy. And he surrounded himself with a bunch of yes men that would encourage him, yeah, I know, William, teach, 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 teach. And the people who really loved him tried to get to him and tell him, no, William, you can't teach. You don't understand the Bible enough to teach. You're not a teacher. You're a dang prophet. Be a prophet. Guess what happened to William Branham? He got in a car accident early in his life. And as he was dying, I think he laid hands on his son. His son was instantly healed. And people begged him, pray for yourself. And he knew the Lord was taking him out. Uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. prophesied that. Kenneth Hagin Sr., he's gone to the Lord now back in that day. He prophesied, the Lord's going to take, take you out, Brandon, because you've gotten off and you're hurting the body of Christ. You need to repent. And he wouldn't repent. 
And it all happened because the guy wouldn't stay in his place. Now, that was significant, a big thing, because this guy had such influence, because he moved in such power. And God had to act in a, you know, major way. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? All right, number three. We got here two more minutes. I can do them. Number three, Hebrews 13. And you're going to love this one. Nobody wants to hear about this one in the church no more, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's in the Bible. It says, Obey those who rule over you. Uh Uh-oh. Be submissive. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You do not want the people that God's put over you spiritually to get frustrated with you. Because it says that right there, you start causing them trouble. And then they can't function because you're giving them a fit and they're all messed up having to fight from wanting to kill you. You know, they've got this issue going in and other, the, the whole thing starts getting messed up. The Bible's clear. If we, We've really got to learn how when God moves to be submissive people and let the people who God's appointed to lead. And this is not a self thing. This is a Bible thing. We need to let those people be the, be the leaders and let them lead. Let them do that, and we will be in good shape. We need to learn how to be submissive people. And Americans are not good submissive people just by nature. We got mad at England and said, we ain't putting up with your mess. <laughs> you know, we came over here. That was sort of, a, in one way, a negative thing, but it was a good thing. But in our roots is that. But God's called us to, be, to humble ourselves unto Him, submit to Him, submit to people that He wants us to do. Because the Lord does not bless the rebellious or self-sufficient person. Again, uh, Matthew Bolden, he's so dang rebellious and self-sufficient. Here's the anointing come. Oh, Matthew, Sarah. <laughs> so when you get around a real rebellious, a self-sufficient person, oh, the Lord's moving. I'm going to get right beside him because what's coming to him, he's not going to get it. He's too hard-hearted. He won't see it. I'll get it, Lord. Just bring it on here. I'll just take what he was going to get because I don't want you to pour out this wonderful anointing for nothing. And this hard head will get it on another day. You know, you've been praying for somebody and the person standing behind you, besides you, just getting blasted. Just slammed. I mean, that doesn't mean they're being rebellious, but it's sort of an interesting phenomenon, actually. I was praying with this lady Wednesday night. I don't know who she was. It was Angel's buddy. And Angel was getting, she was like, Dah. you know, like, stop. I'm drunk. I can't hardly stand up. You're killing me over here. And the woman, she, I don't know what was going on with her. You know, she was just like, she was just all, you know, one of these people that was really hurt. But, you know, this shower of love was coming down from heaven. And it was angels was getting under it. Yeah, do that sometimes. <laughs> get them get under that shower of love, man. Just be touched. Oh, yeah, Lord, touch them. If they happen to be rebellious, you can deal with them. All right, last one. So, obey those who are in authority over us. Number four. Uh, oh, I'm going to read this now, the Message Bible. This is a great Message Bible. Show respect for other believers. You need, we need to respect each other. This is great. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. So if you are overindulging in wine, it's going to cheapen you. Drink. uh, Go back, go back, go back, go back. You're jumping on me. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge, huge, huge droughts of Him. Isn't that great? I mean, you know, you can be like in the natural, you know, some guy who gets a big old drought. I mean, to me, a drought's a big old glass of beer. Keg, is that what it is? Just a huge thing. You just start drinking. That's what it says. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. See, Paul, he knew what kind of people. He was on a bunch of drunks. 
And he was saying, listen, there's a drunkenness, there's a Holy Ghost thing you can do. That was meant, all this other stuff is, is the counterfeit, natural, deceptive lie. Drink a big old thing and drink some, sing some hymns instead of your drinking song. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Isn't that awesome the way he says that? Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God. Some people hate that. I heard about this one person. You could talk to them about anything in the world. This is a Christian. You could talk to them about anything in the world. But when you start talking about the Lord, they just shut down. Just, mm. Hey, the Lord, it says, just make an excuse. Anything. We should just be crazy about it. We should be like a bunch of drunks. Really, that's what he's saying about people who are just intoxicated. But we're intoxicated on, on the Holy Spirit. We're intoxicated on His love. Any excuse. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, some 90-year-old woman wanted, fell in love. He thought it was her wanting a son. Actually, she looked at him thought he was just an old man. Thought she was looking for a husband. You don't have no hair. You, you could be an old man. She was thinking that you... <laughs> That's why when you said it, I thought, that woman thought he was an old man and really liked him. He thought it was spiritual. <laughs> Anyways, Lord bless Frank. <laughs> he ain't quite Grandpa yet. <laughs> Anyways, excuse for a song uh, to the Father in the name of our Master Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Listen to this now. This is what I want you to get. All that stuff is wonderful, isn't it? We need to do that. We need to get that. But this is what he says. Out of respect for Christ. Okay? Out of respect for our Lord. Be courteously reverent to one another. And we need to respect each other. We don't need to be a jerks to each other, snapping at each other, snotting at each other, crumbing at each other. You know, we need, that's how, what we need to do. So these are like some basic things that God really asks us to do to keep under the open heaven. So, you see what God's doing here is uh, he, He's building an altar in our hearts for revival. Yeah. In order for the fire to fall, there has to be an altar for it to fall on. There has to be something for it to consume, right? That's what's been going on here. You see, like, um, for example, last week, um, Byron preached on Thanksgiving, thankfulness. If our hearts aren't thankful, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stone missing in the altar that's being built. And now, talking about unity and the condition of our hearts and submissiveness. All these are, I hope you're hearing this, all these are really practical teachings. And our heart has to be prepared not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. That's the way to sustain revival. How many people have been, have been in the past a part of a, of a, of a small or, or somewhat significant outpouring of the Holy Spirit? You, you know, kind of some things that kind of come and then they go. And what's the one question that you have in your mind when that comes and goes? Why? Why? What's the one question that you have in your mind when you come in here on Wednesday night or Sunday morning? Maybe it's just me. Will it continue, Lord? Will it keep going, Lord? You know, does anybody else have that question? So I'm, we're getting some answers here. This is the way that it continues. It's by submissiveness, by humility, by putting others first, by being thankful. It's very simple. It's the fruits of the Spirit, right? The fruits of the Holy Spirit. So Byron has proclaimed this, and Sarah's just going to pray this in. So let's just stand up. I really wanted to just pray each one of these over us, that the Lord 
would really do these things in us, do it in and through us, that He would do it in and through us. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that You would really release more unity, yes, more Lord. unity in us, Lord, yes, Lord. That, you would, that we would be quick to forgive, quick yes, to forgive, Lord. that we would just see this strife between us and we'd be quick to jump into that place of grace, of grace, receiving grace and giving grace to others, receiving grace and giving grace to others. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to forgive. And Lord, just release that unity within us, Lord. And also, Lord, help us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, Lord. Lord, keep us in the place of knowing who we are in You, who we are in You, and who You are, Lord. Given all the glory for Your glory, for Your fame, Lord God, that we would find our place, Lord. Help us to find our place in You. Find our place and walk in it, Lord. Reveal our place to us strongly, Lord, and help us to walk forward in it, Lord. And also, Lord, that we would be submissive, that we would have submissive hearts to those that are above us, Lord. When the enemy comes to want to just to seed, just to sow that seed of division and not wanting us to, and to want us to be rebellious, Lord, that we would recognize it and to quickly jump, to be submissive and to, to honor you and to serve you in everything we do, Lord God. And last, Lord, that we would drink deeply, drink deeply, drink deeply of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord. Drink deeply of you, drink deeply of you, Lord, that you would empower us, that you would empower us, that you would release your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us up with power and might, but it's not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit, by your Spirit. So we want to invite you guys today. If you want more, which don't we all? (laughs) But if you want to be prayed for this morning, I just want to invite the prayer team up here to come up to pray. And Lord, we just want, we just ask you to come do what only you can do today, Lord. And we just invite you to come up and just get prayer and be blessed today. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Just come up here and confess that. Maybe you need a root of bitterness to be seated out of your heart. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. We've all been there. Just come up and confess that and ask, just get somebody to break that over your life. Or if you want to just drink deeper today, just come out and let the Holy Spirit pour out on you. Amen. Blessings. Open up the skies of mercy. Rain down the cleansing flood, healing waters rise around us. Hear our cries, Lord, let them rise. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Your favor, Lord, is our desire. It's your beauty, Lord, that makes us stand in silence. Your love, your love is better than life.
back again Hear our praises Rise to heaven Draw us near, Lord Meet us here